It is the Healthy Families Podcast, and I'm your host, Jenny Hatch. Today, we are on the eve of International Women's Day 2023. And so I am sharing all of my anti-feminist memes in the link tied to this show. Over on my Substack today, I uploaded my repository of anti-feminist memes, which I started collecting the day that Twitter deplatformed the anti-feminist Twitter account. The cartoonist who made these wonderful memes was kicked off of Twitter years ago, and I made it my mission to go find all that I could find before it was completely censored. These memes are incredibly incendiary, thoughtful, and well-produced. And so I make a point to share them every year on International Women's Day, which if you did not know, the foundation of this movement is in fact a Marxist construct that revolved around personalities like Betty Friedan, who capitalized on the feminist work of the early part of the 20th century, which I actually support most of the goals of those gals. They wanted women to have the right to vote and they wanted equality in the workplace and they wanted all kinds of good things for women that I and my daughters have been the beneficiaries of. But in the 50s, feminism turned hard left, was captured by the Marxists in our midst, and all sorts of nastiness has resulted from what I would term crazed, intersectional, fourth and fifth wave feminism. And I don't believe the word feminist can be restored to its bold and bright beginning. I believe there is so much human wreckage lying in the wake of the feminist movement and broken families and men and their children being neglected, families broken up, women lied to and then kicked to the curb, kind of kicked to the curb when they would complain. This is not what I signed up for. I didn't want to find myself alone and uh, without a family and cut off from all of my loved ones. And, you know, who wants that? So um, those who became dissident voices, voices to the feminist movement were silenced. Heck, they're still being silenced. And we have a, a young generation of gals right now coming up who have looked at all that madness and said, yeah, no, thanks. I want to be a traditional wife and mother. So we have the trad wife movement growing, represented on various, various accounts on Instagram especially, but they're all over the internet, these trad wives. And if you will just hashtag trad, T-R-A-D, wife, you'll find their content. I went and found some of their memes today, and I'm using them heavily in my video that I'm producing right now. And juxtaposed with the anti-feminist memes and from that Twitter account, it paints the extreme polarities of the two worlds, which is what I like to do in my work. I use one, one extreme to highlight the other extreme. And I know I'm dealing in these extremes 
and that they should all kind of be taken with a grain of salt. There's very few people out there who are all in 100% with one or the other. Most are on some sort of a continuum. And I've heard it said that conservatives are people who have 12-year-old children they are raising. And I think there is so much truth in that, that as a young parent, you raise up a child and they get to that key year of the seventh grade in school, they're 12, they're looking at the world around them and trying to determine where they fit in this world. My personal opinion is that this is the key year to homeschool a child and let him or her spend oodles of time with mom and dad. And that if that investment is made in this child in that key year or all of middle school, that is the best time to homeschool. But parents can choose for themselves how much they want to invest in their children. Sometimes moms and dads invest everything and still come up with children who don't, do not share their values, who do not have any intention of practicing their faith or living by their political worldview. And this is America. We have the freedom. They can do that. But at the end of the day, moms and dads want their kids to be happy. And so the lies, the bald-faced lies of the feminist movement need to be confronted again and again and again. And I'm here for it. I started out as an anti-feminist in 1999 when I wrote my first essay, Family Sovereignty, published it on my old website, which was millennialfamilies.com. And then my next website was naturalfamilyco.com. In 2005, I went to jennyhatch.com. And recently I've moved everything over to Substack, which is jennyhatch.substack.com. And my message has been the same message all of these years. Mamas, get back in your kitchen. Do the work of nurturing yourself and your family. Unapologetically step out as a homemaker. Take care of your own home. Clean your own toilets. Wash your own dishes and laundry. Invest in your children and that investment will pay off in the years to come. And I know for many young moms, they get into it in the thick of it with toddlers and small children and, and the days can feel never ending and the repetition of teaching and training and taking care of babies and toddlers feels a bit mundane. I've felt those feelings before and it's difficult to work through this investment that you're giving to this child. But once they grow up and you kick them off out into the world and you find them working that job, going to school, taking care of business, paying their own bills, buying their own cars, heck, buying their own homes, and then stepping out as, you know, married people willing to give birth to children rather than aborting all of their children during their 20s and 30s and then deciding in their late 30s, oh, maybe I do want a family. And, and gradually coming to realize with great horror that this is not what they signed up for. This is not the life they wanted to live. And there's a large group of men and women who are living that reality. I have been hated for many things in my life. I've been hated for my politics. I've been hated for my religion. But what I, one of the things I have been the most hated for 
is my stance on feminism. And the blowback has been pretty intense. And often it comes from other conservatives. They think I'm making us look bad and they feel like I'm, you know, too extreme. And I'm an unapologetic anti-feminist. And I'm not just anti-something. I'm also, you know, pro. Don't go down this feminist path, but also embrace, embrace your womanhood. Unapologetically embrace the fact that you're a female. And then embrace, especially if you have kids, em embrace your traditional role of feeding and nurturing a family. I try to be a good example of what I preach. And to that end, I still, as a 55-year-old woman, spend a, a lot of time in my kitchen every day. And I wash my own dishes and we wash our own clothes and I fold laundry and I clean and I, I tidied up my bathroom today, scrub the, scrub the tub, scrub the walls of my bathroom in celebration of International Women's Day. I make a point to do this. Because one of my messages on my blog and Substack is uh, clean your own toilets. There are so many young people who are being seduced into being little aristocrats, thinking that the good life is something that emancipates them from household chores and doing the work of mothering. You know, we'll, we'll outsource the cleaning to the maid and we'll outsource the raising of the kids to the nanny, maybe even hire a surrogate to give birth so I don't have to bother with the messiness of pregnancy and, and breastfeeding. And, uh, you know, when they hear about this new, we want to grow babies in incubators. And they, what do you know, they've already grown a little lamb in a Ziploc bag. Uh, these women, I just read an article about this, they get excited. Oh, that's great. We won't have to go through the, the trouble of giving birth and the uncomfortable sensations of being pregnant. And uh, when some women were polled about this, they were excited. So I belong to a church that has taught me my whole life that we would see the day eventually when women would not be willing to give birth or have, have babies. They just were going to turn their backs on it. I partly blame the feminist movement for this but I also blame the education establishment and the media, which uses education about sexuality and birth in such a negative way that as they portray these traumatic situations to the young girls out there, they frighten them away from perhaps the pain they might feel in giving birth or the discomfort of pregnancy. There's very little attempt to educate our young people positively about what they can do to have a healthy pregnancy, healthy sexuality, and even making the case for why it would be good for them to wait until they're a little bit older to get married and have a family. The norm that our girls and our boys are being raised with now is, oh, you get sexually active when you're in middle school, have several multiple partners, maybe struggle with a couple of STDs in high school, have an abortion or two, and then go to college or start working. And you still have several lovers, maybe a couple of lesbian lovers here and there, explore your sexuality with that on the pill the whole time, taking this birth control pill. And then in your twenties and thirties, you know, 
several more partners, maybe get married, maybe get divorced. And then finally, then after you've had all of this wreckage in your own womb with all of these chemicals from birth control and maybe psychiatric meds, now I'm ready to have a baby. Now I'm healthy enough and mature enough to be a mother. And again, it's these women who get to their mothering later in life who are like, oh my gosh, why did I wait? What was I doing with all those years? And again, they're, they're being seduced, I believe, by the education establishment, but also just the culture at large that anyone who invests full-time focus on mothering is an idiot, is um, somewhat uneducated, unsophisticated, and that messaging just pours into their little brains, and unfortunately, some of them believe it. I believed it. When I was in my early 20s, I was an actor, and I was married when I was, I met my husband when I was 19. And when I got married, I, you know, really believed all of those feminist ideals that it was not that big of a deal to be pregnant and have a child. And I could easily do that while continuing with my stage career. When my oldest daughter was just a couple of weeks old, I auditioned for a play, Arsenic and Old Lace. I won the ingenue lead in that play and was ready to start back on the stage. And just a couple of weeks later, I found myself descending into madness and quickly realized that I was on the cusp of perhaps losing it all. My marriage, my custody of my child, and in the whirlwind of postpartum psychosis, uh, my husband decided to stick with me and help me through that difficult time. And I felt somewhat kicked to the curb by my feminist ideals. And you know, it wasn't them helping me to get back on my feet, those feminist teachers and friends and mentors. It was my husband and my parents and other good friends, friends from church. These were the people who helped me find my footing again in the adult world when I was at the tender age of 21 years old. And I will be eternally grateful to my husband for sticking by my side through all of it. Because he was tempted to run. He told me he was tempted to grab the baby and run. And if he had, I probably could have had a very successful, lonely career on the stage. But I, I did not want to be alone. I wanted to have a family. And so we started over, we moved out to Boulder, Colorado, and we had four more children. And I chose to put my career on the back burner and for 25 years focused on our five kids. And I've never regretted it. We just found out our youngest son proposed to his girlfriend. So joyful to have yet another married child. And you have these moments as a, a mother, as a grandparent, and it's, it makes all of the stuff you go through worth it, all of it. And so I am so grateful for just the clarity that my husband had, his willingness to stick with me, and the powerful messages that were being shared with me every week at church and every six months from general conference from my church, which told me that the work I was doing was sacred. 
and eternal and not a waste of my precious time. Does this mean I believe actors who are working full time and giving birth to babies are misguided and lost? No, that's not what I'm saying. Anybody who can manage to juggle a performing career while taking care of small children, I, I just say good on you. Go for it. You do you. I learned early on I couldn't do both. And so my message today is for any woman who wants to live a life where she has more than one or maybe two kids, has a bigger family, which is much more difficult to do economically than if you just have one or two kids, um, that there are solutions for her, for you, to be at home and spend time full-time focused on home duties and kids. So that is my message. And my blog is dedicated to educating anyone who's interested in, in figuring out how to make it work economically, emotionally, uh, how to find friends and network with other moms. There's a huge community of traditional wives online. Some of their content can feel a little bit culty and creepy, I'll admit it. But the same can be said for the feminists. And so as you find your friends and your influencers and your mentors, or even step out as a mentor yourself, I would encourage you to just be confident in your messaging and not afraid to, um, to, to just walk down a different path than what so many women are doing. So Lance, I'm going to skip you and go to Jade because I love Jade. Jade, you are welcome to speak. I'm sure you have thoughts. Hello. How yeah. are you? I'm all right. Uh, yeah, I just, I think I, I don't know. I grew up in a family that also had an attitude of being like, you know, um, anti-feminist. And I can understand that because from my perspective, what it was was like feminism just wanted women to be like men right or just to fill the same roles as men and have um be able i don't know and i was like that just doesn't seem great <laughs> like it seems like you know we should have um balance and and then i i went to byu and i took a gender studies class um where we actually learned about like you know pay gap differential and and other aspects of like you know how women are not valued or treated fairly all the time out in the world and um you know that just kind of reframed the idea of feminism for me not that you know um feminine traits are bad but just that they're devalued in our society and so part of, and I, I know that there are different, there are different waves of feminists, there are different classes or people who identify as feminists. So I'm not speaking for everyone, but for what it means to me is that um, it's, it's in part recognizing that feminine traits and qualities are valuable and they're important in our society and they're important to, um, the cohesion of, of families and that they have a lot to offer and that they shouldn't be um, 
undervalued uh, in preference of like masculine traits. Or can I can I ask you what you studied? I studied psychology. Was my um what I was going to school for? My and degree. do you did you get a degree and do you work in your field? Um, I. I actually am like one class short of a degree. Um, I, I've, I've landed in a tricky situation where I didn't feel comfortable getting an ecclesiastical endorsement. Oh, wow. Um, but I'm three credits short, like, so one class, three credits, which they also have in continuing education courses. Like, um, so I could register for it online. Uh, then I've worked as an, uh, a preschool teacher and um, in a childcare. And now after I had my son, um, I kind of have like a little collective of kids that I watch for my friends. So my son and, and two other toddlers that are all about, they're all within four months of each other um, age-wise. Um, and so, so that I can like, you know, stay home with him spend time with him, save money on childcare and help out some friends as well. Yeah, so, I've, done I've done that so many times. Yeah. I, so I definitely, I did a lot of kindergartners who had half day kindergarten. I'd watch them half oh, the day fun. just to help out. Yeah. Yeah. I love like preschool's my jam. Like I love like the three to five year olds range. So I'm excited for these toddlers. Now they're all, 18, around 18 months to almost two. And I'm excited for them to get, as they're getting a little older, to uh, like start five, implementing some of those things. Yeah, five-year-olds are my favorite age. I, that is just the most darling time. So I hear you. Yeah, ya. they're so fun. Well, as I but, said, I'm, I'm a polemicist. I work in extremes to, to point out things that some mm -hmm. may not notice. And so that's why I use a lot of memes, and that's why I share the extremes. But I'm somewhere in the middle, you know, and I, yeah. I don't know how I can comfortably sort things out in my own head to, to say, this is the right way for everyone. I would never say that. But yeah. the, the feminists would presume to say that especially the more extreme sides of some of their ideology, oh, this is good for everyone. And my point is not necessarily. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be dogmatic people saying like, you know, that their ideology is the way to go. But I think most people are more nuanced and in that middle zone and, you know, um, open to to what works. And I think because for me, I I think it's absolutely heartbreaking that we have absolutely no maternal or paternal leave required in the U.S., um, I think that's just an absolute, I don't know, it's just absolutely devastating to see um, families that are in difficult economic situations where um, at this point, both parents are required to work um, to make ends meet and to be able to pay rent and afford housing and food and, and, um, and to see like moms have to go back to work like immediately after giving birth. And I think also, you know, the studies have shown that when men are able to be at home uh, with their 
with their wives and children who were just born that also is like um especially just like valuable and important for for building like bonds with their children and um also building their capabilities in helping nurture the children when they are home to like give support adequate support and and help to their wives i think um, i think some help is coming i don't know if you listen to president trump's cpac speech but he wowed mm. me by saying that they wanted to pay americans to have babies which i thought yeah. was just you know one of the most surprising things he said did you hear that I, I didn't hear that. I haven't seen that. But I know, like, other, you know, I'm in some, like... Other countries are doing that, you know? Well, people, yeah, and they have. Want, like, I, I'm in social media groups with people from Canada, Australia, all throughout Europe, and they're all, like, completely horrified by the conditions that moms face in the United States around um, leave after birth. Um, because, like, they have a mandatory... Like, you know, they, they cannot... They, they have um, a guaranteed like 12 months to 18 months in like Canada. In some places it's up to five years um, with support and like, you know, partial payments um, throughout, throughout that entire time. And I think like that type of investment in children and in women would be um, absolutely just a, a, an amazing thing. If, if yeah, something like that could happen in the United States. He didn't, he didn't give any details, but he said, we want, we want a baby boom. And uh, it was just unexpected because I've never heard anybody on the right talk that way. And um, it'll be interesting to get the details of what, what he thinks would be, would be good to incentivize people because it is. I think it's one of the darkest times in American history for young families right now economically and just the healthcare situation's untenable. I just heard a story about a woman who had an epidural and it, her insurance didn't cover it. And they charged her $8,000 for this, just an epidural. Yeah. I was like, what the yeah, heck? No, out of pocket, like to have a, a child in the United States is like upwards of $30,000 to like go to the hospital to give birth. And I think, you know, that's just like an economic hardship that no other industrialized nation faces. Um, and I think it, it just shows the lack of respect for women and for families. And uh, the other, oh, the other point about like um, sexual education and, you know, the scare tactics that are often implemented to say like, oh, it's giving birth is so scary or these things are so hard and horrible I think that also is like um a result from from what I've seen from like abstinence only education which I understand you know I think I think there's a way to do abstinence only without being using scare tactics but I think um just pragmatically and realistically and to avoid like um, you know, abortions or unplanned pregnancies and things, I think having like a comprehensive approach that encourages um, youth to make, you know, those decisions like with their families based on their family's values and um, with the support, adequate support and education that they need, I think is probably the best route. And it also has shown like 
the best results and outcomes as far as teen pregnancies or, or any other types of difficult situations that adolescents can find themselves in. Well, um, you and I have talked before, so you know I'm into free birth. And um, I'm passionate about husband and wife birth because I personally believe yeah. childbirth is a, a sexual event. And mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, if a, someone invites a healthcare worker into their bedroom to help them with a birth, it's the equivalent of inviting a sex expert on your honeymoon. And so, I, again, I'm on the extreme side of things. But when you line up a sexual orgasmic type birth with your average hospital, you know, I mean, it's just so horrifying to me what's happening to these gals when they go in because they either get a, a vaginal cesarean or a belly cesarean and just cut up. And it's like, can't we do better? We've got to do better. Yeah. Oh, girls. I mean, I was... I was scheduled for a cesarean because my baby was three, but I did a lot of um, baby turning, spinning, or baby spinning um, exercises. I saw a chiropractor. When we went in for his schedule, the scheduled appointment, he was actually turned and in position. So they just induced me right, right then just to like make sure that he wasn't going to move again he was mostly transverse but he was just like not staying in place how big was he he was um seven pounds three ounces yeah my daughter who was breech was eight pounds and she was big enough that they said you know it's going to be really tricky to do a version i did have a c-section with her my second child and it was fine i had a good recovery but um, I was so grateful to have vaginal births with my next three because I, I just didn't want to have any more surgeries if I didn't have to. Yeah. I, I mean, and I think, you know, like, I think it's great that I think individuals should have the freedom to make decisions around the value system that they want for themselves, their family, and their children. But I also think like when we're looking at a societal level, like looking at the outcomes and the what the research and the, um, you know, just the programs show, I think that's just something to keep in mind too, you know, like so, so that no one's compelled to, to um, violate the values that they hold. But that they're also not compelling others to, I don't know, to the same, I hear you. same you systems know, they we have. Don't, so. I'm, not, I'm really not out here to convince anybody that my way of life is superior to other people's choices. What mm-hmm. I want is just for young couples to know that it's a possibility. And if you're interested, I'm here to help educate you on your options. Yeah. When 99.5% of all moms in America are birth in the hospital, you know, it's a very small minority that are even having home birth. And, and pre-birthers are even just a small subset of that. And so, I, you know, I, I feel so frustrated that I don't even think it's on the radar of most women that this is a possibility. And so that's where my heart is. It's just, just an education realm. Yeah, I think but of course providing options to people is great. I know people who have chosen to have home births and to have free birth. 
and yeah. had wonderful experiences. And um, but you know, they needed people like yourself out there letting them know it was a possibility. I think too. Yeah, there's so much power in our stories. Well, listen, oh, Jade, I, I was only intending for this to be a quick show. We're about to sit down to supper, but I so appreciate you calling in. But I hope you have a yeah. wonderful night, and thanks for contributing. Yeah, of course. Hope you have a great night. Enjoy your supper. Thank you. Bye-bye.